Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strictly JoJo, a podcast dedicated to JoJo's bizarre adventure. My name is Courtney. This is episode 64, and we're reviewing part six, Stone Ocean, Awaken. Awaken, my masters. Aye, 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 aye. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened in the JoJo anime. How can you not think of Wamu when you hear the word Awaken? I was hoping they would play the just a throwback, from, yeah, from <laughs> like when the baby two. made its appearance. <laughs> yeah, because like, why? Well, like, awaken is such an iconic phrase in JoJo, and that made me think, oh, this is a callback to part two. But what's really awakening in this episode? I guess the the baby, like getting out of its sap or whatever they called it. Yeah, the baby has been born, the green baby. And we'll talk all about that because, I don't know, as is a trend in the second core, I still am confused about certain aspects when it comes to the green baby. But before we jump into all of that, we have one housekeeping item to share and one big piece of JoJo news. I mean, it's not specific or solely around JoJo, <laughs> but it's some pretty big news, some pe- pretty big drama uh. that I think we we can't ignore. Um, but first, the housekeeping item. So let's talk a little bit about our schedule for Strictly JoJo moving forward. I know we have we kind of tossed out some ideas about what we're gonna do with the two weeks in between the end of our Stone Ocean Second Core review series and the start of our Stone Ocean third core review series because Stone Ocean part three. Yeah, Stone Ocean part three, part six, (laughs) part part three, three. (laughs) whatever you call it, that starts on December 1st. Uh, But as we've mentioned previously, we will be in Japan through the premiere of Stone Ocean because it drops all at once on Netflix. Oh, shit, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, because we don't get back from Japan until December 6th. So we will have November 28th as a discussion week, and then December 5th is kind of up in the air. So here's what we're thinking. Again, the Stone Ocean Second Core review series will wrap up with the episode on November 21st. Then the following Monday on November 28th, we're going to have a discussion episode, which we have not had in quite some time because we jumped right from reviewing part three to going back into part six. And then the following week after that, December 5th, we have decided to take that as a break week. Again, because we will be in Japan, it's going to be pretty difficult, um, you know, on top of our other recordings for Strictly Anime, I think, to dedicate something for December 5th. So we're going to take that as a break week. There will be no episode on December 5th, but we'll be back on December 12th with the start of our Stone Ocean third core review series. And then we're back every single week until we have finished reviewing the end of Stone Ocean. Yeah, what a great way to start the holiday season coming back in December with the third core of, of part six. Uh, so yeah, hopefully we can take that that one week to, of course, enjoy Japan and and all of its glory. But I'm also excited to just get back into it with continuing or like reaching the finale for part six. So in terms of JoJo-related news for this week, let's just talk about it. Let's put it out there because for those who haven't heard, there's some decently big drama going on. Scandal in the JoJo world, or I I guess the the Japanese voice acting world. Uh, But I do have an article here from JoJoNews.com that's titled, 
Rohan Kishibe's voice actor Takahiro Sakurai admits to having a 10-year affair. <gasps> um, it, it, just skimming the article, it says that he was married to a former voice actress for 20 years, but kept the marriage a secret until he had to disclose it in September. And I think he had to disclose it because he was having an affair with uh, a, a worker on his radio program. And she didn't know of it until he told her. And then that, like, she was so distraught by the news that it ended up sending her to the hospital. Yes. <laughs> and to clarify, so this thing, this whole situation is wild, right? Because he, again, was married for 20 years, but no one even knew about it. I don't even think his agency knew about it um, or, like, whatever groups he works with didn't even know about it. So he's got the secret marriage for t for 20 years. And then on top of that, he also has this secret affair going on for 10 years. And he keeps the affair a secret from his wife and the marriage a secret from his girlfriend and then he says, I guess, throughout his, his time dating this girl, um, who was not his wife, that he's going to marry her. And then they finally were talking about it. And at that point, his hands were tied. And I guess he said, well, by the way, I'm married and have been for 20 years. And yes, apparently she was so shocked she had to be rushed to the hospital. I mean, man, if anything, it's impressive that he could keep those it's two... impressive he had an affair <laughs> well i mean to be able to keep that many secrets for that long mm -hmm. from so many people um that is like a master class in secrecy for sure but of course all of it is pretty messed up um and it's a bit i don't know disappointing when you hear about these scandals with voice actors especially in the japanese voice acting community because a lot of people connect with certain voice actors um, or with certain characters that they voice. And Rohan's a really great character. So as we've seen with other voice actors who are caught up in scandal, they sometimes temporarily, possibly even permanently step down from voice acting or at least voice acting certain roles. So, I mean, I don't think we're going to get anything anytime soon that includes Rohan. He's already recorded his voice lines for um, the latest JoJo game. So I don't know if there's anything in the future where he's going to need to reprise his role as Rohan. Um, but if they make another season of the Spoke Rohan Kishibe, or I don't know if part four ever makes a comeback with Josuke, who knows? Um, but either way, it's, it's going to be interesting if Rohan does have another appearance and if this voice actor will be the one to take on that role. It's kind of weird how I, I won't I wouldn't say that this is commonplace in Japan, but we've already seen so or a, a couple high profile uh, cases like this in the voice acting industry in Japan. I think the other one that kind of rocked rocked the community was uh, Tatsuhisa Suzuki, who was also a voice actor in JoJo. He did Prosciutto. I think he was well known for voicing Draken from Tokyo Revengers. Um, it came out that he had cheated on his wife, the, the singer Lisa, who sang the first uh, OP for Demon Slayer. And now a lot of his roles have been taken or replaced with other voice actors. Uh, so I, this is a, another case where we have like a pretty well-known actor that's in the spotlight, but for a, a pretty, pretty negative reason. Uh, another interesting thing to note that this article mentions is, you know, like 
a lot of these voice actors seem to be connected with JoJo in some way. Uh, Daisuke Namikawa, who is the voice for Anasui, was also involved in an affair, I think back in 2017. But he's continued to voice characters and, and get new roles. So I think it's just very dependent on the person, whether or not they want to take a hiatus or the severity of the act itself. Uh, and this one's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty fucking intense. I mean, I enjoy um, Takahiro Sakurai's performances in all of the roles that he's done, not only with Rohan, but with Reagan Arataka from Mob Psycho. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't even realize um, or remember that he was Gyu. I knew that, but I haven't, we haven't seen oh, Gyu for a Gyu. while in Demon Slayer. So yeah, he's Gyu, which is one of my favorite characters from Demon Slayer. Um, he's, he's voiced a lot of, prominent or well-known characters are very popular characters so yeah i enjoy his work i hope he continues to do what he does but he'll probably need some time to sort out his uh his affairs no pun intended mm-hmm. and i guess there's a, another connection in the jojo world with these voice actors and these scandals because uh the article again from jojo news mentions that the english voice actor for rohan vic Mignana, was replaced uh with a different actor uh, Landon McDonald in the Thus Spoke Kishibe Rohan OVAs because he was involved in a, in very serious allegations. Um, so maybe another thing is like, is this a JoJo reference? Because we've seen Joseph Joestar himself in part three. I mean, technically, yeah, adultery <laughs> is a JoJo reference. Yeah, it's like somehow this just all connects back to the world of JoJo. Um, but of course, you know, that's all the news we have for now. I don't know yet. It's The article says it's currently unknown what will happen to Sakurai's career, whether he's going to go on hiatus. But I think as a result of this news coming out, he has shut down his radio program. Um, so it remains to be seen what's to happen from this situation. But I guess wish all the best for all the parties involved. And here at the Strictly series, we try to shy away from talking about rumors in the anime industry because rumors are just that. Um, Sometimes they don't have a lot of basis behind them. But here, Sakurai actually admitted to these affairs, uh, to the affair and and his secret marriage and all that. So I think we're kind of in the clear to talk a little bit about it. Um, But either way, just found it to be really wild news um, to come out of the anime industry lately had its ties to JoJo, and if anyone else is interested in reading the article and getting some additional information, we'll share that in the Discord as always. All right, so jumping into this episode, we actually have a question from one of our patrons, Jesse James, specific to episode 64 of Strictly JoJo. Um, Jesse James sent it in a while ago, so this has been a burning question that I'm a bit nervous to talk about because I don't know the answer and it's a really, really good question. But Jesse James asked, I have a question for Strictly JoJo episode 64 and it's pretty serious. Starting at the timestamp 638, Poochie tells White Snake retrieve her disc. Is White Snake a sentient stand? When did the show establish that it's sentient? I read the manga and I don't remember any indication that it was. I know it talks, but I just assume that Poochie was talking through it. This is such a good question Mm -hmm. because I'm on the exact same page as you, Jesse James. I always figured that Whitesnake was just communicating, um, was like a a vessel of communication for Poochie. Like Poochie hides in the background 
he doesn't want to be seen. He doesn't want to be known. So he communicates through White Snake to people who can see his stand. Um, I also read the manga. I also don't remember any indication that White Snake was sentient. Um, we, you know, in, in the second core, I think there's some discrepancies, and we'll talk about it for this episode in particular. But those discre discrepancies didn't show up until this episode unless we just didn't not notice them earlier so we're pretty late in the game for them to suddenly change things on us um, and to change the way white snake functions but a rocky does that sometimes sometimes he just does what he wants and it may not always make sense yeah i was considering uh by the way jc james i, I like how you did your research and, and put the timestamp in so props to you for that um i was planning to as as always we've relied on the jojo fandom wiki for pieces of information that we might not be too familiar with uh, in jojo i i kind of wanted to shy away from that in this case because i know like white snake and poochie are pivotal characters in part six and i could be exposing myself to spoilers if i read any of those articles i actually spoiled a little bit of something that i think is going to come up in the third core by just you want reading a me to story. read it <laughs> yeah i, mean, I can read it if you send right. me the link i'll read it um so but like the way i looked at it like you said a lot of the inconsistencies pop up in this episode specifically with white snake and it just makes me think and we'll, we'll probably discuss this later on that white snake probably has two different forms of communication one being that it has its own like sentient mind and that's where it can speak to other stands or, or stand users and then it can also secondly act as a herald for a poochie in being a like a sort of like a what's the word like a, a megaphone i guess um so it it's a speaker yeah <laughs> speaker like a like a bluetooth speaker for, well, kinda, for poochie or white snake is kind of like a megaphone because i feel like every time it seems like he it's talking for poochie it's like shouting versus like poochie mm -hmm. talks very calm and then white snake's like it's like screaming things at people yeah and if i recall from the first core there were certain scenes where it kind of transitioned from poochie talking to white snake and Maybe someone can confirm or deny that, but that's just what I'm remembering right now. Uh, so I feel like yeah, Araki at this point, like shoot in the the second way that um, White Snake communicates, just to kind of fit in with what's going on uh, in this particular, I guess, chapter in the manga or this particular episode in the anime. There were some things that I noticed in this episode with Jesse James's question in mind. Um, that also, I think Jesse James embedded into the question itself, but there's, uh, that exchange, like when Poochie is trying to go after Foo Fighters, um, Poochie, as Jesse James indicated, tells White Snake to retrieve the disc and says, find out what's on it. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, like White Snake is its own entity because White Snake could retrieve the disc, read the memories, but then would need to relay that information back to Poochie instead of that information just automatically beaming into Poochie's mind. Um, I don't know mm -hmm. how it would work anyway with any other stand because it's a pretty unique scenario, but that's one thing to consider. But then, like, even in the same episode, there are moments where Poochie is speaking to Foo Fighters, but then it's White Snake talking, but it's almost as if Poochie is just switching 
his means of communication to Foo Fighters. So like when Pucci is asking Foo Fighters questions about the green child, um, Foo Fighters is being resistant, not wanting to, you know, answer it, but then asking questions in return. And then Pucci switches to Whitesnake instead. And Whitesnake says, I hope you know I'm the one asking questions here. So again, it's like he's switching back and forth between talking through his own mouth and talking through Whitesnake's mouth, but it always sounds like it's Pucci the one Poochie, who's the one doing the talking. Um, but then at the end of their exchange, Poochie notices that Foo Fighters is stalling for time. And he says to Whitesnake, she's stalling for time. Turn around. Like, look and see what's happening right now. So it's almost as if Whitesnake didn't notice what Poochie had already noticed in that, that instance. So I don't know. Like, it's it could go either way. Most of the time, it seems like... It's not a sentient stand. It just it kind of acts on its own, but maybe through the willpower of Poochie. But then here, he's commanding White Snake directly. So, yeah, it's a super fucking gray area. Yeah, it's it's really confusing because you know sometimes I feel like White Snake is just speaking Poochie's words, but then with Poochie having to command White Snake to do certain things, it's like it's still its own entity. Um, so I don't know. It, you know, I think this is always chalked up to Araki forgot, but it's definitely something to to think about even more. And I think you looked at the the JoJo wiki because I can't. <laughs> for yeah, obvious reasons. So looking at this with site, it says under personality, despite being controlled by Poochie, White Snake moves with its own sense of self awareness. Um, it acts as Poochie's mouthpiece and avatar throughout Green Dolphin Street Prison. Mm -hmm. And then on the right-hand side, under, like, the quick facts about White Snake, it does have it listed under type as long-distance stand, stand and sentient stand. So, maybe, maybe up until this point, as you said, as you said, Rocky just made it act as a normal long distance stand as we know them but then decided you know what fuck it it's also going to be kind of sentient as well and it wouldn't be the first time that Iraqi introduced a strange concept um, right in the middle of a story so we're just gonna take it at that I guess you can consider White Snake a sentient stand and I'll add it to our sentient stand list for Jojo um, with an asterisk next to it. Thank you, Jesse James, for yet another thought-provoking question um, and another like key attention to detail that you had. Because I feel like anytime there's something very nuanced about JoJo, you're the one that brings it up, whether it's sending us something via Patreon or sharing it in the Discord. So we're glad to have you there keeping uh, an extra eye on things when it comes to JoJo, especially part six, because this is really a complex part. I don't know if it gets more complex with part seven and eight, but part six is, uh, I don't know. It's really making me think it's very, Iraqi, very hard. It's Iraqi at his most meta. <laughs> it definitely is. And with that, let's dive into this episode. Let's talk about the green child. What were your overall thoughts? Ay, 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 ay. Yeah, I know that the episode is kind of split into two parts. And the way I thought of it, it's an episode that focuses on perspective. Uh starting with Foo Fighters and her kind of wrapping up her, her battle with DNG and more specifically with Poochie. 
we get a taste of her shift in perspective on what it means to truly live a life with purpose. And there were so many things in this episode, especially with the, her monologue in the beginning that just were key giveaways to her imminent demise. And I know that's a storytelling technique that's used across many forms of media. I think we've mentioned before, like The Walking Dead was notorious for this. But yeah, it was just like just seeing that, that writing on the wall, it, it kind of made me sad to, I, I know like in this episode, we, we are quote unquote witnesses to her death. Um, although she does show up in the next episode, but it was kind of sad to see that, you know, it's, it's another Joe bro that's going to be sacrificed for the greater good. As we saw, especially in part three with Avdol and Kakyoin or in part five with, uh, Buchera T, uh, Narancha and Abakio. Abakio. Yeah. So that, that trend of losing Joe bros continues, um, and then the second thing with this episode on perspective is an like forced physical perspective with the whole thing with the green baby's stand abilities where I called it like the, the baby train because it just keeps going and Jolene and Anasui are just figuring out ways to get to it, uh, which it felt like it dragged on a bit, but I guess it's just a way to make us even more enticed to see the return like quote-unquote return of Dio in the next episode. What did you think? I thought um, that the first half of this episode played out really well. I think for people who have not read the manga, they probably look at the first half and think, that's it? That's all that happens to Foo Fighters? Like, she dies and there's no grand send-off like we've gotten for other Joe Bros? I imagine that it kind of left this uneasy feeling for again, people who didn't read the manga, but I think it was such a smart decision to end the episode where they did because it sort of leaves you wondering and it makes the next episode an even bigger surprise because I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Uh, you realize in the next episode that she is okay and you know she might make it, but then she dies anyway and this time it's for real. So I love the way this plays out in the way that it sets up the next episode because it allows the next episode to be that much more impactful with the second half of this episode um i i was worried it was going to be a little on the confusing side in the anime ad adaptation just based on the previous few episodes we've had but i think they did a really good job of explaining the concept of space and relativity with this baby compared to how they did in the manga it wasn't extremely confusing in the manga from what i can recall but i think this was actually visualizing it and seeing the movement watching jolene go from point a to point b and the size difference i think was so much nicer in the anime adaptation yeah it, it's if you think about it the green baby stand is less confusing then like enter the dragon. I think there's there's two things to remember with the, the baby stand, and we'll probably discuss this more in our proper synopsis and discussion. And speaking of which, it's time to awaken my masters as we dive her down into our synopsis and discussion for part six, episode 21, Awaken. Poochigang puts on a pernicious production to pilfer some prophetic proof from his previous plankton partner, but Foo Fighters decides to anhero her eggshell-haired host's body and eliminate the Roman soldier cosplayer, 
which turns his Bayou Boogeyman stand into Thanos dust and releases the green bean baby from his clutches. After replenishing with an unsanitary drink from a nearby water spigot, FF tries to marathon it over to Jolene and tell her of Poochie Gang being the perpetrator of their putrid predicaments within the penitentiary, but Poochie's white snake decides to make plankton stew and brings her body to a bubbling boil. Back at the bizarre bayou, Jolene and Hisokasui unsuccessfully resume babysitting duties as they live out the classic 90s film Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves anytime they step a foot near the green bean baby and its shrinking stand, green green grass of home. Hisokasui sets a bottle to Wumbo to try and capture the stand but finds himself in a jar of a pickle as the bottle threatens to crush his hot bod. Only when the green bean baby notices Jolene's Joestar birthmark does it call off its shrink ray attack. But Hisokasui knows better than to fall for its infantile tricks because this baby is bountifully bad to the boner. And now into our next segment of the show is that a music and or fashion reference where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music and or fashion. And we only have one for this episode, and that's with the stand for the green baby, Green Green Grass of Home, which is localized in the eye catch as Green 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 Home. That is the longest stand name, and I had no idea that was its name. What the fuck? Yeah, I, like I said, it's only mentioned in the eye catch. I don't think any of the characters... Obviously, the the, the baby can't say its stand name because it, it doesn't have like a proper speech pattern. But anyway... Either way, this stand is in reference to the song Green Green Grass of Home, which is a 1965 country song popularized by Porter Wagner and later by Welsh singer Tom Jones. I'm very familiar with this song because it's one of the songs my dad used to sing on karaoke when I was a child. I've never heard of the song, ever. <laughs> it's a pretty decent country song and i know like jolene is probably the premier country song for both of us and a lot of people out there especially jojo fans but this is a, another song that i would vibe to uh lyrics wise the song tells the story of a man who returns to his childhood home for what seems to be his first visit there since leaving in his youth until he realizes it's a dream and he is in prison on the day of his execution so kind of Interesting that they choose this song as the stand name for the baby because it's symbolic of Dio, I guess, returning to his quote-unquote earthly home in the form of the baby. And then you have that tie-in with uh, the, the prison aspect of the song because Stone Ocean takes place in a Florida prison. And now it's time for the JoJo meme rundown where we list each new JoJo meme that appears in this episode. I don't have any, but as always, if we missed any, please reach out and let us know. So you already kind of called this out, but I'll, I'll mention it again. Um, you've got the narrator starting us off in this episode talking about Foo Fighters and going through all of these flashbacks, and then her monologue kicks in where she reflects on her time before meeting the Joe Bros, that she was just mindlessly following orders, and then she met them, and she experienced so many good times with them, learned a lot from them, and says she never wants to lose them, and that the memories that she has sets her apart from, sets humans apart in general from other creatures, and that's what it means to be an intelligent creature, and these are all fucking red flags of an impending death. Yep. 
We just, as soon as the episode started, even if you didn't read the manga, you can tell what's coming. You can they just fucking tell. Die. Yeah. <laughs> and it's such a trope. It is such a trope in anime. Um, as you mentioned, you know, it does show up in other forms of media, but in anime, it happens so often that you just feel so confident someone's going to die when their backstory kicks in, especially when it kicks in at a very random point in the story or kind of in the middle of the story. I think besides all of that, this is probably like one of the few times JoJo's Bizarre Adventure has gotten really deep with a subject, which, you know, the takeaway from Foo Fighters monologue is that, you know, like intelligence isn't everything in life. And the one thing that, the one quote she says in her monologue that I, I love is when she says, to live is to make memories. And then that's what she fears losing the most again. She's been experiencing all of these moments and adventures with the prison posse. And that's kind of transformed her from, like she said, this robotic being who only had this one task to like a well-rounded individual, although she's made up of like all of these plankton. Uh, But that's really what is driving her at this point, a very pivotal point because, you know, Poochie's on the verge of discovering the baby and that could lead all of this to, to shit. And she's the one person at this point that can stand in his way. Obviously, the, her, her attempts in the long run are futile, but it just leads to this very clairvoyant moment for her and a moment of, of redemption that we'll see in the next episode. Yeah, Foo Fighters is a real one throughout part six, but especially in this episode. I mean... All she thinks about is completing this goal to the benefit of Jolene because Jolene was the first one to show her kindness, um, show her what it means to, again, make memories, to to be like a human, to be an intelligent creature. And throughout the struggle between Foo Fighters and Whitesnake, Whitesnake says, I gave you intellect and a stand. I'm taking it back. And after he says that to her, after it, he, I don't know, Poochie or Whitesnake, one of the two is saying it to her. Um, Foo Fighters then thinks to herself, um, she thinks about Jolene and feel and says that she feels courage swell up inside of her anytime she thinks about Jolene. And that's so important. That is so powerful because you don't often have Joe Bros who are so open about their connections with their JoJo, the respective JoJo. But here you have Foo Fighters who straight up says, I'm here for Jolene. I'm doing this for Jolene. Like even Hermes, I think we can all confidently say, is as dedicated to Jolene as Foo Fighters. But Hermes won't always be upfront about that. She won't always just say, Jolene is the best. Jolene motivates me. But Foo Fighters does, and she doesn't care. So it's nice to see that bond between them, and then it just makes it that much harder in the next episode. Yeah, she's kind of like the speed wagon to Jolene. That's true. Jonathan. I, I would say Speedwagon <laughs> still tops it in terms of being like the most committed Joe Bro and the most openly committed Joe Bro, but Foo Fighters is a very close second. Yeah, and they both started the same way where they were antagonists to the JoJo, and then they had a change of heart after meeting them. Um, it's just that Speedwagon had a heart attack, and <laughs> Foo Fighters kind of just disintegrates. Although she ascends again in the next episode. She does. You know what? I, I like to think that Speedwagon also ascended after his heart attack. We just didn't have that back then because Araki didn't think to show us that. So Foo Fighters sort of ends the immediate struggle by 
taking her plankton form as White Snake is attacking her physical body and jumping into Dolce Dolce and Gabbana DNG from inside and then just ripping him to shreds from the inside out. Something like out of a fucking horror movie. But it works because we then get a quick scene of Anasui and Jolene as they watch Yo-Yo Ma get Thanos snapped and they realize, okay, Foo Fighters was successful in her goal, yet they have no idea what else is going on on the other side of the, the swamp. And after that, Foo Fighters grabs her, her disc and flees in her plankton form away from her basically destroyed physical body. And um, I have something that I thought was really interesting about what Foo Fighters does in her, I guess, plankton form. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen Foo Fighters in her introductory episode as an enemy stand, essentially, um, looking like some sort of, I don't know, humanoid Alien. creature. Right. But here, it, it, she has the same color pattern um, and basic like overall aesthetic, but she maintains the exact same face and body that she had when she took over. I can't remember the original girl's name. Etro. Yeah, Etro's body. So it's kind of it's kind of cool to think that she's identified with this appearance, with this body, and decides to morph herself into that instead of reverting back to the original form that we were first introduced to. Yeah, it's a very symbolic visual there, and just showing Foo Fighters' growth from just a, a body of plankton to a, a body of human empathy and emotion. So. It's very nice that, you know, she had to resort back to her original stand form, but she wanted to keep her humanity uh, almost in defiance of what Poochie wanted to use her for. And especially in defiance of what he had said previously, like, I am the mo- I'm the one that gave you intelligence. But Foo Fighters is like, yes, but I'm the one who can own my experience from this point onward. And when we see Jolene and Anasui, again, they watch Yo-Yo Ma disappear. Jolene at this point comments that um, her her body is no longer mutating now that the green child is born. Because once Yo-Yo Ma disappears, they see the cocoon, essentially, that the baby was originally in has now been broken open and the baby makes its appearance. And so Jolene clarifies that the mutations with these plants were actually to suck the life out of others in order to grow the child. So I know we were talking a little bit about that and some of the confusion behind it. It sounds like it wasn't really a stand power, right? It was just like a... Like a Dio's bone ability. Yeah. Like an infection. I don't know how the fuck that happens. There's no attempt at explaining it. But at least we know it's not a true stand. Oh, there wasn't a stand associated with Dio's bone. It was more just an ability that the bone had in order to mm-hmm. grow and birth the green child. Okay, so that answers my question. It's not like you know Jolene the next day is just growing a random tree branch on her arm. Right. Um, but it acts like a stand because I guess you could say once the bone has fully formed into the child and the bone, quote unquote, disappears, the stand, quote unquote, disappears as well um, because the mutations stop happening inside of her. So it may not be a, a one for one, but there's some similarities, I guess, with how they function. So then we go back to the fight between Foo Fighters and White Snake. 
and um, Foo Fighters makes her way toward a body of water. Or no, it's a fountain, right? Yeah, so faucet. She can, yeah, spigot. faucet. Spigot, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> so that she can get some water and start to regrow her plankton body and use that to make her escape. But suddenly, she starts bloating and boiling. And now I have questions about this because she realizes that White Snake inserted another disc into the portion of her plankton body that's still back over by the truck. And that's causing her to boil water out of control because it's technically a standability. But I thought she already had a stand disc in her head because that's how the plankton could even form into a quote-unquote intelligent creature in the first place because it's a stand, right? I thought Poochie at some point during their fight slipped in an additional disc. And that's because he says, like, it's a standability that he inserted into her that turns water into hot water. Yes. So, again, White Snake inserts another disc into Foo Fighters' extended body by the truck, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's disc yeah. number two. How can one creature have two stand discs? Can somebody uh, hold multiple stands through discs? Or is it that... Oh, wait. No, that wouldn't make sense. Because my again, <laughs> my understanding is that Foo Fighters has intelligence not through a memory disc because there's nobody's memories that Foo Fighters has, mm-hmm. but it's actually through a stand disc. And the, the stand mm. disc, I guess, kind of gave life to Foo Fighters as this creature made of plankton. So there's already a stand disc inside of her. So if you remove that disc, technically the plankton would go back to being regular plankton. But now White Snake is introducing a second stand disc. So does this open up the door for someone to have like a thousand different stand abilities if they wanted to, if if uh, Poochie or White Snake just gave him a bunch of discs? But wasn't that the point of why he wanted to resurrect Dio to co- like collect all of those? Because no one human being or or entity on Earth could do that. He wanted to resurrect Dio to reach heaven. <laughs> Whatever that <laughs> But I do means. recall a conversation between Dio and Poochie in a flashback where Poochie asked Dio if it's okay if he can collect Survivor because he wants mm. to collect many different stands. But I don't recall them talking about trying to insert multiple stands into one person. I know there is the attempt that Jolene makes to put the star platinum disc in her head. But I think it rejected her because it's Star Platinum and it only accepts Jotaro. I don't know if it rejected her and bounced back out because you can't have two stand discs. Yeah. So again, um. it, it just could open up the door for a whole new way of using Whitesnake. Um, it kind of reminds me of a particular uh, villain in My Hero Academia. Um, you can just collect a bunch of shit and then just mm. be like really crazy OP um, or you could just have White Snake smash a bunch of stand discs into your head and have like a thousand stand abilities. So I don't know if this is an inconsistency, a Rocky Forgot moment where one creature is only supposed to have one stand disc, um, or if again White Snake could use stands in this way and then create like some kind of superhuman stand user with ha- by putting like ten different stand abilities into one person. But either way. It's all just up in the air because there's no real explanation behind it. And as we'll see in the next episode, um, I don't even know like if Poochie continues to use White Snake in that manner. So I don't know. We'll we'll just say it is what it is. It's a missed opportunity on Poochie's part, perhaps, or an Iraqi forgot moment. 
But yeah, either way, Foo Fighters explodes. <laughs> and when she explodes, she cries out for Jolene, and my heart just hurts. I think what makes this scene hit harder is that it reminded me of part four with Shigechi um, when I think he, he finds out the identity of Killer Queen's um, stand, u- or oh, stand user. Oh, shit, you're right. And yeah, both Foo Fighters and Shigechi explode in their demise, and they're both saying the name of their respective JoJo protagonists in their parts. Uh, it's very heart-wrenching, and you know that's one of the sadder moments in part four, and it's definitely a sad moment here in part six when you have these characters who are so devoted to these Jojo protagonists for a good reason that you know they they have to give up their lives in the good fight. I guess the silver lining here with Foo Fighters is that in the next episode she does make it to Jolene, but then she has to bear the guilt of unknowingly bringing Poochie directly to them and then mm-hmm. dying immediately after. So we will talk all about that in the next episode, but at least they had a quick reunion, unlike Shigechi, who did not yeah, have that. He, he was blew up so close. <laughs> he was behind the classroom door, like on the other side of it. And then he blows up. And then, you know, some girls make fun of him for being ugly and weird. Yeah, but then his little harvest scarab or beetle or whatever makes it to Josuke and gives him the button. And then that's what And triggers. then it disappears. <laughs> yeah, but then that's what leads Josuke to eventually find out about Kira. So, so it's all thanks to Shigechi. And it's all thanks to Foo Fighters. And that brings us to our stand stats for this episode, which involves Green Baby's stand, Green Green Grass of Home, or again, localized as Green 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 Home. Um, This is interesting because the stand chart shows everything as a question mark. So we don't know its destructive power, speed, range, durability, precision, and accuracy, and development potential. It's also a very odd stand design because it looks like it has jet propellers where its ears should be, and then it has that spiky orange hair. Kind of reminds me of the I don't remember his name from Mob Psycho, the the the, the kid. <laughs> oh, the the orange haired kid with the spiky hair. <laughs> yeah, um, I was. Ex- I, don't, I don't remember his name either. You know, I'm terrible with names. <laughs> yeah, and I would expect something green if it's called Green Green Grass of Home, but it's it's shades of blue and of course the orange and and pink. Uh, and from what's established, I think in the next episode when. Pucci goes over like the recipe to bring Dio back. I think it's the baby is comprised of like the combined or this stand is the combined stand abilities of 36 of the country's vilest criminals. And what? Yeah, that's what it's established in the next episode. Oh, I don't remember. That's why (laughs) that's why they this was all happening in the ultra house security unit, because that's what all of the the most foul prisoners were being Oh, kept. so are you saying like the the plants sucked in not the, only the 36. like Oh, and that's how the the green baby was like that's how the yeah. stand ability manifested is like it took pieces of those stands. Yeah, that like that was the prerequisite. Wait, is or, it saying... it's not the stands but the, the souls. Okay, I was going to say cuz then that means all of the people in the security house had stands, which was not yeah. the case. It's only four four people. 
Yeah. So now let me revise it. it. It has the combined souls of the 36 of the country's worst criminals, but its power is just this ability to shrink things. It's, it's not very menacing. <laughs> yeah. And maybe it's because it's it's an, an infantile form, so it, it doesn't really have any like attack powers, but it's just weird. Like, it, you want to think of like the, the world's worst criminals in, in real history, and then you combine someone with all of their abilities, and it's just them holding a shrink ray, <laughs> basically. <laughs> After the eye catch, we get the switch to the latter portion of this episode's story, which focuses on Jolene, Anasui, and their pursuit of the green baby. Uh, but right off the bat, Jolene does something that made me scratch my head a bit because we talked extensively in the previous episode about how Jolene could not communicate with Anasui due to the holes in her throat. And we were like, why doesn't she just spell out a message with her strings? And she eventually does, but it's a very cryptic message. But then I realized in this episode, she just closes all the holes in her throat with her thread, with her string, so that she can mm. speak. And I'm like, well, fuck, why didn't you do that earlier? You could have saved yourself a lot of time and hassle if you just did that earlier. Yeah, you're right. Unless, you know, spur of the moment, you're not thinking straight. And so... Like, she finally realizes, oh, she could have just patched up her tongue. I guess, yeah. But sometimes she's, like, bleeding out, and she'll patch it immediately with her string. True. Either way, it's an oversight by Jolene, but at least she figured it out now. Um, so then Jolene rushes to the green child, but Anasui realizes that she becomes infinitely smaller the closer she or anything gets to the child. And... So he, he does a line of questioning to try and understand what's happening here. And I believe that he establishes that she or anyone or anything will shrink by a proportionate half the amount. Size. Right. So the distance as it's closed in at half, they'll they'll shrink half. Um, and that continues infinitely until they basically are too tiny to function, I'm guessing. But what is interesting to note is that when someone is pursuing the green baby and shrinking at the same time, they may not inherently know that because from their perspective, the green baby remains the same size. Because mm. I think when Anasui is standing behind Jolene, he asks, does the baby look a different size to you right now? And she says something like, no, it looks normal size I'm trying to, as I'm trying to catch it. So I think it's some sort of optical illusion of sorts um, so that, again, the, the person does not realize what's happening. But, I mean, you could also just look to your right and left and realize that, like, the grass is now bigger than you are. Yeah, that's true. But I think it's just because Jolene is so focused on on the, the baby, which is her target. <laughs> She's not noticing anything else around her. Um, and I think this is actually rooted in some sort of philosophical science uh based on greek philosopher zeno's paradoxes which mentions that motion or which theorizes that motion is nothing but an illusion um and this it, it's called i think it's called the dichotomy paradox uh which is like you'll as much as you're approaching a goal you never really reach the goal i might not be describing that the correct way um, but I'm just reading this off of Wikipedia. It's just really interesting. Or it says here uh, from Aristotle, 
that which is in locomotion. Aristotle? Aristotle. <laughs> <laughs> that which is in locomotion must arrive at the halfway stage before it arrives at the goal. Which seems like a straightforward statement. Yeah. You, for getting from point A to point B, you have to get to point A, A, A point five. <laughs> yeah. And then you'll get to B. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, just visually, this was a very trippy scene. Or like this, the second half was just very visually trippy. Well, at least Anasui is there with his perceptive ways to make sense of what's going on. But I think it, with the multiple interactions we've seen, even though technically all of this has taken place over like the course of half a day, um, the, the multiple interactions we've seen between Anasui and Jolene, yeah, sometimes Anasui can be kind of dense as we saw in the last episode. But I think oftentimes he has things that Jolene lacks and Jolene has things that he lacks. So this is going to be me, the Anasui and Jolene shipper talking a little bit here. So Anasui comments that he's drawn to Jolene because of her intense focus on one goal. But at the same time, that can make Jolene a bit short-sighted. Whereas Anasui is able to pause, take a step back, and assess the situation, which is exactly what happens in this episode. Jolene pursues the green baby without giving it much thought and says, I'll figure it out on the way there. Normally she does. She'll figure it out. She'll get herself out of these situations. But she ends up falling infinitely towards the green baby from above as she's shrinking, of course, eventually seeing the the stand itself, but doesn't have a way of getting out of that situation until Anasui risks himself, jumps towards her, and then pulls her out of that infinite fall. So it's just another example of Anasui consistently aiding her through his use of perception and through spatial awareness and just, again, being able to take a second and think things through and assess the situation. And she motivates him through her Joestar resolve, through her intensity behind every goal that she has. So, again, I'm a shipper. So I just think that they kind of go hand in hand like that. Like they kind of help each other to reach the goal because Anasui was there to make sure Jolene didn't fucking kill herself multiple times. But Jolene was there to keep the goal progressing or keep the the team progressing forward toward the goal because a lot of people Foo Fighters, Anasui, whoever have wanted to stop right or change course and she's like no we have to progress we have to do this we have to reach the end point so anyway that's just something I noticed it was a little more apparent in this episode with the green baby that Anasui has some of the things that Jolene may lack yeah as much as you know it's taken a while for Anasui to grow on me um, it's it's definitely a, an advantage that he's there with Jolene to assess the situation because I think you know, like I, I don't blame Jolene for for just going guns blazing and trying to stop the green baby because defying logic is, is sort of in a in a JoJo's blood and I think that's the trait that you want to have in tandem with having that situational awareness. I'm kind of just thinking back to part two, uh, ba- a battle tendency where Joseph kind of defeats cars out of dumb luck, but it's that's needed for him to overcome his adversary. So I, I kind of see that a parallel here with the way that Joseph acts and the way that Jolene acts. 
I can see it. And we've said before that Jolene has a little bit of both Jotaro and Joseph in her. Obviously, she's mostly Jotaro, but she sometimes displays moments that are very Joseph-like, especially in her humor, because Jotaro doesn't have humor. He's pretty uh, straightforward. It's like dry humor. Right. And like Joseph is a goofy person, and we've seen Jolene act goofy a number of times in part six. So here it's almost like sometimes she gets out of things via dumb luck the way that Joseph would because luck is a skill for Joseph. But then just as many times she gets herself out of situations using her Joestar, Jotaro Joestar type of smart. So it's smarts that a lot of Joestars have, but it's more keen, I think, when it comes to Jotaro. And of course, she's his daughter. Um, this this is a bit random. I did put this in my notes, but uh, I noticed at one point, I think maybe when the green baby is thinking about going over to Jolene and Anasui and touching them. So as it's watching like the bottle roll, um, there's a shot of the baby from behind. And damn, that baby is dummy thick. It inherited <laughs> that Joestar dummy thick ass for sure from Jonathan's mm-hmm. side. Well, because it is, it's they call it Dio's bone, but it's from Jonathan's body. Hell yeah, so. that's why it has the star. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and that's why it has that dummy thick ass. Yeah, Jonathan's. <laughs> As a baby, probably had a dummy thick ass then too. So the episode concludes with, yes, the baby touching Jolene, touching Anasui. Did it touch Anasui? I think you can assume, yeah, it did. Because Anasui Mm. is is big again at the same time Jolene is. Um, But yeah, Anasui is the one to realize that the baby touching an item stops it from shrinking. And the baby then clings to Jolene and paws and kind of grabs at her birthmark. And Anasui says to himself um, that it acts like this baby has known Jolene for a long time. And that's a good reminder that Anasui has no clue what's going on with the Joe stars. He may have some inkling because he's been around the Joe bros. He's hung out in, in Emporio's room, but I don't think he fully understands what's going on the same way Emporio does. So he may see these birthmarks and think, okay, there's some connection here, but he doesn't understand how powerful the Joe star connection actually is even for this green child who is like a fucking creature from another world. It's still technically a Joestar by some long ass stretch. I mean, you can just tell by the way the baby looks at it. It, it looks like a bitch. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you need Anasui's smarts to, to come to that conclusion. But yeah, I can see like him having those inner thoughts. Um, it's kind of interesting. He comes to that conclusion having no prior history of the Joestar bloodline. I mean, it's a valid concern because he's like, I may have to end up killing this baby. It's a valid concern um, to think like this baby is something that Poochie wanted to create, is something that Poochie is pursuing. It cannot be good for Jolene's sake. So I think he's constantly thinking about protecting her. And so he kind of drops that uh, foreshadowing or that hint or whatever it was about um, possibly having to kill the baby. That doesn't really happen because we see what happens to the baby in the next few episodes, but he's always kind of thinking in that mindset, like what is in Jolene's best interest? And that brings us to our final thoughts for part six, episode 21, Awaken. So did this episode feel like it kept going and going and going and going and going and going? Um, no, <laughs> it was a really well-paced episode. There was intensity on both the Foo Fighters end and on the Jolene on the Suey end. Um, it's weird to have a a 
not permanent Joe Bro death happen in the middle of an episode. But again, there's a reason that it's playing out the way that it is. And I think that all of this is in service to the next episode, as I've shared before. But I thought as a standalone episode, it was really interesting. It was, again, high intensity. It was a lot of fun to watch, even though it was very sad at the same time. Um, and while it was a little bit confusing at times, I think it's a nice reprieve to be able to sit here and watch this episode and think, okay, I pretty much understand what's going on because the past few episodes have been far more confusing than this. But uh, yeah, I'd say this episode was one that I enjoyed a lot and I'm just bracing for impact with the next one. But what about you? I agree. This episode for me felt like a precursor to two things. One, Foo Fighters' inevitable demise and two, Poochie's inevitable encounter with the green baby as much as it continuously crawls away from Jolene and Anasui's attempts to stop it. Um, as we discussed, the first half of this episode is a poignant reflection on how much Foo Fighters has grown in the 10 or so episodes that we've known and seen her from this, this solitary stand created to serve one purpose to this empathetic humanoid entity that in her adventures with the prison posse understands that there's more to life than simply simply existing and knowing that you should always strive for the greater good again this is all a dead giveaway to her fate in the next episode but just seeing her development coming to this this morbid end doesn't make it any less harder to deal with and then as for the second half of the episode it does feel like a long cat and mouse chase at times but it also continues to push this collaborative dynamic, I'm not going to say romantic dynamic, but collaborative dynamic between Jolene and Anasui with the latter using his intellect and it being very useful in taking down another scientifically incredulous enemy stand such as Green Green Grass of Home. So overall, it's it was an in, it, intriguing episode that, brings us into the final three episodes of Stone Ocean Part 2, which I think will serve to be both exhilarating and disorienting. Do you think that Anasui and Jolene survived this episode out of dumb luck? Like, because the baby was just curious? Yeah, because mm -hmm. Anasui was about to get squished under that bottle, and there was nothing Jolene could do about it other than break the bottle and let the stand out, which in turn the stand would kill them. So... I think they got pretty damn lucky in the situation. Yeah, lived up to her her great great grandfather, right? Is that how? <laughs> is uh, that the lineage for Joseph, in, relative to her? Uh, great grandfather, because oh, great. it's Jotaro's grandfather. Oh yeah, so great grandfather. Yes. Okay, so then Jonathan would be the the great. No way. No, I'd be no, even no, no, further no, down be the line because there's George Joestar the <laughs> second. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. Just She lives up to her great-grandfather. That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Strictly JoJo. Be sure to tune in for the next episode because it's going to be all about the feels. It's going to be all about Foo Fighters, and it's going to be really, really, really sad. Um, but, hey, 
It's going to be a good discussion nonetheless. Subscribe to Strictly JoJo on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries and tune into Strictly Anime, our other podcast for anime reviews and discussions. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. To be continued.